This is a GRDC podcast. Hi there, I'm Hilary Sims. For the first time in WA, there's been a confirmed case of glyphosate and paraquat resistance in annual ryegrass. The resistance was picked up by an agronomist and grower during harvest 2021 and they were quick to notify and post seed samples to Dr Roberto Busi, a weed scientist at the University of Western Australia. Roberto is part of the Australian Herbicide Resistance Initiative, ARI, which receives GRDC investment, and he joins me now to share what we know on how the resistance came to be, what research the discovery has spurred, and what it means for growers and advisors going forward. Here's Roberto. I was uh, contacted in early 2022 by Brent uh, Pritchard. Brent is a top-notch WN agronomist, part of the Farmanco team. Basically, he observed together with the local grower in the southern of uh, WA that there were a couple of paddocks in a particular farm where it appeared that there was a significant failure of uh, glyphosate and paraquat. One site was along the fence line, and in the other paddock, the ryegrass was uh, widespread in the middle of the paddock. And so, um, basically, Brent uh, wanted me to further work on this uh, to ryegrass population. He uh, took good care of those plants. He obtained seeds from those plants located into different fields. They were only a couple of kilometers apart. So then I received seed basically in January 22 and I started immediately to work on them. And we'll get into the details of the work you did on the seeds in a moment. But before we do, what do we know about the rotations and the herbicide history for the two locations where these cases were found? Well, this is a particular subject that we always struggle to get a full picture In this particular case, we can go back in time for about five to ten years because, again, it was new land purchased by the grower and the agronomist had worked on this particular client for a couple of years. But roughly we have a ten-year sort of snapshot of what happened. So the fence line is on a slope and we believe that because of that, historically, it has been sprayed with glyphosate and we believe that the rate that had been applied on the fence line had been historically low because of the particular condition would have mandate uh, sort of to speed up the process not to get bogged and so I guess that uh, you know historically one of the location had received multiple application maybe you know 15 20 shots of glyphosate historically and also some applications of paraquat. We don't know yet how many of those applications have been historically applied. We are, we're working on it. And in the other paddock, what we know is that the grower had had a quite simplified crop rotation. The neighbor had been affected by glyphosate resistance historically. And the rotation that uh, we know the grower had been following in the last seven to eight years is canola wheat rotation. Interesting. Okay, so Roberto, let's move on to the research now. What did you do when you first received the seed samples? The first step of my research was to confirm what Brent and the grower had seen, observed in the field. 
And so I did test for paraquat and glyphosate. And yeah, sure enough, I found those two populations were highly resistant to both of those herbicides applied individually. You know, for example, I had plants surviving 10 liters of glyphosate and four liters of paraquat. So it was a very clear, significant and high level response. So what I did then, I tried to apply a double knock. A double knock is traditionally a glyphosate spray followed by a paraquat spray. I also tried two applications of paraquats, two sequential applications of paraquats spaced out 10 days apart. And so confirmed again that both of those two populations coming from fence line or paddock were resistant to the double knock. And so I think that here we need to pause a second because, you know, the double knock has been a pillar, a fundamental strategy to manage weeds in fallow situations, in knockdown situations, to manage uh, difficult to kill weeds. For example, ryegrass that had evolved resistant to glyphosate. It has also been a fundamental strategy to delay resistance because there has been modeling work done 20 years ago that showed that if growers would have used and adopted the double knock, the resistance to either glyphosate or paraquat would have been extremely rare to start with or delayed by 20, 30 years. So in this situation, we have now a couple of populations on which the double knock fails. And so this was and is a highly significant uh, issue. And so I believed and realized back then, you know, in January that uh, I had to do more work on those particular populations. And that's exactly what you did, right? You moved on to two field trials looking at alternative double knock options. What strategies did you test and what were the findings? I started to look for options. I immediately tested for more complex double knock strategies. For example, I looked into glyphosate or paraquat applications in a mix with a group G herbicide, group 14 herbicides. Uh, That is what can be done to basically cause more damage. And they did work to a certain extent. And then I wanted to test either glyphosate or paraquat in combination with pre-emergent herbicides. And uh, I had a specific question because I really wanted to check whether the interaction of paraquat with some recently introduced pre-emergent herbicides, uh, how additive that interaction would have been. And this was probably the quantum leap uh, type of moment because I've seen and found that when paraquat is mixed with some of the pre-emergent herbicides that are available to growers, the damage that we could cause to those populations jumped into the 90% sort of level. So it was a great discovery because the same thing would not happen with glyphosate. The results I had is that when I was mixing a pre-emergent herbicide with glyphosate, I would have, at the very best, under control conditions, obtain 50% control. So I remember clearly it was about March. I had quite exciting discovery. And so I have asked several chemical companies whether they wanted to participate in a joint endeavor. 
and I wanted to test those options in those two fields that had been found. It was March, so the growing season was just about to start with opening ranks, and I had a really positive response from some of the companies such as Bayer, FMC, BSF, and Syngenta. They were happy to subsidize this project to be involved. So through the local agronomist brand, Richard, as already mentioned, uh, we obtained the permission to access those two field sites by the grower. The grower was happy to have us on his farm. And so we went, we contracted a living farm who did all the trial experimental work for us. We have now obtained the data from the field and I am in parallel also. I kept working on those populations. I immediately exactly replicated what I did in the field. Again, repeating the same experiment a couple of times to have quite a bit of data collection and lots of confidence on what we have seen because there is a lot of correlation between what we have seen here at UWA in under control conditions and what has happened in the field. That really is extraordinary work and I know it's very much ongoing for you and the RE team. What are the wider lessons that growers and advisors should take away from this Should we be changing our current thinking on how we use Paraquat especially? I guess that the main lesson is that Paraquat resistance is rare but easier to manage. It can be quite simple to basically use Paraquat in a more effective way because just by simply mixing it, we can probably already delay or greatly manage a problem and reduce the likelihood, the probability of that happening in a broad acre situation paddock. Of course, the immediate repercussion not as positive is that usually we do not mix pre-emergent herbicides with paraquat when we spray fence lines. Fence lines is seen as a job to be done as quickly as possible and nobody wants to do it. Also, the level of attention to the fence lines is generally low. And basically, they get sprayed with whatever is left in the shed. So I think that the learning is that the fence line should actually be monitored and some greater thinking should go into how to properly address fence lines issues if the ryegrass there is difficult to be killed and start to develop resistance to glyphosate because that is usually the weak point and usually is the open door, the entry point of a problem that then can spread back into the paddock. And naturally the focus of this podcast has been on annual ryegrass, but do these learnings apply to our other problem weeds? Yes, it certainly does apply to any weed. There are a number of weeds in Australia that have evolved glyphosate uh, resistance. So generally the immediate solution is to switch from glyphosate to paraquat. Now here we have bench tested some use pattern of paraquat that could be applied and extended to a number of situations uh, in the rest of Australia. And to go big picture with weed resistance for a moment, what's the difference between random surveying and targeted weed resistance? And why is it important to understand that difference when information is presented to us? Historically, in Australia, there has been quite a lot of weed research work uh, focused on uh, random surveys. Thousands of fields have been inspected and sample of weeds collected randomly across the continent. 
And those surveys at intervals of five years tell us the level of resistance, the fluctuation sometimes, or that if there is a trend on resistance, whether resistance is increasing or flattening out, stabilizing to a certain level. But on top of that, to be even more proactive, there are centers in Australia that also do resistance testing on already known problematic situations, problematic paddocks. And so for cases of resistance where the frequency is lower than 5%, usually the focus paddock resistance testing services can identify them, those cases a bit earlier than random surveys. Of course, the random surveys then speak about the true frequency of the problem. It's a good case of complementary research that has been going in parallel for a number of years. So, yeah, we keep learning and we keep adjusting based on those numbers, even on areas of research that all of a sudden need some prioritization and some others that we are overall quite confident of the status of resistance. And so, Roberto, to finish up, what should the industry take away from this discovery? I think that Australian growers have done the right thing and they are still very proactive on average in in the way they manage and protect their crops from weeds. I believe that a very easy suggestion to be made would be to every now and then maybe do some resistant testing of your paddocks, of your difficult paddocks in situations where you might have a, a blowout or you might just have noticed something that is not quite right uh, with the level of control you were expecting. There are several centers in Australia uh, to do resistant testing. We have one based in Wagga at CSU, Chair Cert Uni, one in Adelaide with Peter Bozzalis, and uh, we do also the same here at Uni of WA. I am aware that also in other parts of Australia, this issue of dual glyphosate and paraquat resistance in annual ryegrass has been found. I believe that the number of cases are extremely limited. It could be 10, 15 at the very best that we are aware of across the whole Australia. So there is nothing to panic about. We already have some solutions that can be deployed immediately because we would just follow use patterns of some herbicides that have been available and we have been working with for a number of years. So yeah, nothing to panic about. Is resistance is uh, definitely sometimes can be scary, but we should just look at it as a bit of a hurdle that opens up on opportunities to refine, to fine tune and to learn more about the herbicide technology that we deploy every year and basically a good opportunity to optimize the whole process and be once again confident of the investment that we do and the fact that the technology works well if it is used well. That was University of Western Australia weed scientist, Dr. Roberto Busi. Roberto is part of the Australian Herbicide Resistance Initiative. More information on this topic can be found in the description box of this podcast or online at grdc.com.au. I'm Hilary Sims, and you've been listening to a GRDC podcast.